Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is called, If You Can't Push for the Victory, Push After. Thank you very much to Zalbotnik, who provided that answer. There are some runners-up as well. Uh, Steve Taylor says, Mad Max, Fury Road. Ray Thompson chimed in with a title suggestion, Mad Max, Beyond the Blunder Dome. And Michael says, Fernando, everyone is faster than you. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Oh, you know, it's going fine. What a cracking little race we had there. It was such a good race. Like, later on in the show, we are going to try and examine what made this a good race, because I had low expectations, but it was just a thrilling contest from start to finish. Yeah, there there was drama throughout, and in the middle of the field, the front of the field, even at the very back of the field. So, lots to talk about, and not much time. But, Matt, emotions are running high over certain incidents particularly the Ocon Verstappen incident. And since we don't like to argue, particularly amongst ourselves, no. I, I think we're not going to cover it this week, if that's okay. I, I think in favor of keeping the emotional balance of the show on point, as it were, I think this is a wise decision. Or we could just go for it. We're an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. And we're also joined by Nick Numbers Alexander, making his Missed Apex podcast debut. Welcome, Nick. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'm not depressed this week because Sebastian Vettel already lost the Drivers' Championship. So I've just moved on to hoping for next year. So it just can't get any worse. There is a correlation between you being scheduled to come on Missed Apex as a Vettel fan and Sebastian Vettel doing terribly. Right. But this time it didn't matter. Because, like, stop kicking, he's already dead, kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. If you've already given up, let's go on to qualifying. See, Matt, there were two big incidents in qualifying, which we can talk about, 
but they both have debating points. And since they didn't affect the qualifying position, my suggestion was we argue about them in whose fault is it, but just cover what happened uh, as a point of fact right now. Okay, so uh, point of fact one in Q2, everybody else went out on the super sauce because it looked like rain was, I think the proper word would be imminent. But Ferrari, rolling the dice in a master stroke of strategy, chose to bail into the pit lane and strap on sauce, which would have been, one would think, the preferred tire for starting the race and, and making the best of it. So they were behind, but they got their laps in. And that was brilliant. They both made Q3 on the soft tires, setting them up for the oppositional tire strategy to Mercedes, which started on softs and then bailed for supers when the rain forecast looked dire. So that was thing one. Yes. And then this is where the fun starts. Actually, two more things happen, but only one of them is germane to what we wish to discuss. And that is on the way in to strap on his soft tires, Vettel got called to the Waybridge. Now, the Waybridge is this temporary set of scales that FI set up to keep uh, competitors from pulling all sorts of dirty tricks with the weight of their car during qualifying. And they do this because these dirty tricks have indeed happened in the past. But Vettel got tagged before he'd actually set a time. And needless to say, with the rain imminent and them already losing half of a lap, Panic. he was in, I don't know, what would you say? Kind of like you, a bit of a hurry for things to be gotten on with. No, I just want the show to start on time. All right. Now you've triggered me into talking about our normal pre-show ramble where I say to Matt, hey, we're starting at nine. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I should be nearly ready about nine. But we agreed nine. Ah, never mind. It's a whole thing. Uh, uh, But what about what about uh, that Ferrari boy, uh, Nick? Soon to be Ferrari man, and you are our resident Ferrari fan, close enough anyway. Look, token, yeah, token Ferrari fan. <laughs> Just bring you on here to talk to you. I've got a feeling that next year you've got much better times ahead because of this boiler clerk. Did you see how he set his his times in qualifying? They told him to come in. They did. They told him to come in. He was complaining that the rain was picking up. By all accounts, his lap time should have been getting worse and worse. He had already kind of had a moment in the turn one, turn two area where he had some oversteer and went off track. And for him to give it another go against the advice of his engineer and to pick up four or five tenths and put two and a half tenths on his teammate, clearly advanced to the next round. It was just, uh, it was sensational, for lack of another word. So are you going to flip-flop and become a Leclerc fan? next season or are you going to remain a Vettel fan and hope he beats Leclerc see I said it both ways so everybody's happy I don't honestly I just want variety and excitement at the front so I really enjoyed the race having three different constructors on the podium same with the US Um, so really as far as I'm concerned Hamilton winning 50 races out of 99 in the turbo hybrid area I'll take I'll take just about anybody else at this point I just want it to uh, I want unpredictability I don't want to know what happens when I turn on the race Nick Alexander calling, please, won't somebody think of the Ferrari fans? All right, let's talk about where the race was won and lost. Matt, this is like manna from heaven for you. For someone who loves uh, looking at the race strategy and the way teams interact with the tyres, loads and loads to think about today. Just a really exciting race. And one, actually, that we couldn't have called uh, you couldn't have called that exact result. I don't think anyone saw Max Verstappen coming through the field like that. No one predicted that pre-race that the Red Bulls were going to be on that charge. 
but it was immediately obvious that something was up. Yeah, it was. And uh, you didn't even really get to the end of lap one before you knew that Red Bull had completely nailed the setup for the race. They were just, he was just so fast. And there was, unlike the other cars, there was no sliding around. But to go back to the beginning, race one and lost, very much the start. Um, Ferrari lost the start. They were on the soft tires. And we've seen that happen before. So they were playing the long game. But what was the surprise? And this is what tipped you off when you mentioned the Verstappen thing. was when Verstappen overtook Vettel up the inside as Vettel was having a go at Botas. You were like, okay. This thing is on our way that even I, I expected for stopping to finish third, to be honest with you, because they really just didn't look that fast in qualifying. But apparently that's because they spent all their time getting it really dialed in for the race. It's it's interesting to hear that, isn't it? Because I've heard some people say you can't just set up for the race. Do you have any idea what that means? Or do we need to draft in summers for the difference between setting up for quality and setting up for the race? Well, all set up is a compromise. So uh, I think if, if you want to get the ultimate technical lowdown, yeah, you would want to talk to some Summers or someone who was a proper engineer, but it's always a compromise. And in this case, Red Bull set up their car to be very uh, long running and to be very fast in traffic and in the front, whereas both Mercedes and Ferrari were concerned with ultimate pace over a single lap where I might be willing to sacrifice three or four laps of running on the super soft tire to get an extra 10th or two out of my lap time. And, and that's how it played out. I mean, we didn't see lap times. I think the fastest lap times were in the one elevens for qualifying. Even with rain, we were down in the one Oh eight. So you never run the car nearly as fast in the race now as we see in qualifying. And as a result, there is, you, you are forced to choose. As a result, when you set up the car, what your goals are. Well, let's start with the start then, Nick. I mean, how did that how did that go down for you? I'm not just picking on you because you're a Vettel fan, uh, but Ferrari starts have been so good this year. It was it was almost odd to see Bottas get the jump on Vettel. It can't all have been down to the soft versus the super soft. So I just I'll back up a little bit if that's okay, and then you can then I'll go that. to that as well. I can do that. There's only three people on. There's more opportunity, right? That's so. Right. Um, this is just speculation. I'm by no means an expert, but I don't think people necessarily tune in to listen to only experts. But we hope not. I think one of the major differences between uh, running and qualifying on Saturday and running in the race on Sunday today in terms of the setup would probably be to do with the cooling. So I just don't think that you're going to need as big of um, duct openings, obviously, to keep the car cool for a couple laps as you are for the whole race. And especially with it being warmer today, I think that would have been an area that Red Bull would have definitely been looking to to have more of a, a Sunday skewed uh, setup. So I, I just want to get that in and I will answer your question. No, no, I'm not avoiding okay. it. I promise. I'm not. <laughs> we'll tell you what, um, while we're on that difference of, of heating considerations, if you remember back to 2013, I think some people have oh. forgotten that uh, that Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg were on pole quite a lot during 2013, but then their race pace would disappear. So they might have had that same issue kind of by accident where they had the raw pace, but then the rears would just overheat and they couldn't get on top of that for race pace. But if you remember, they were nearly like a second on pole. They were nearly a second clear for a lot of those races. Yeah, I uh, I don't remember. I'm actually a new fan since then, <gasps> believe it or not. Uh, no, no wonder you support the wrong driver. Uh, but yeah, go on then. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the start of the race because it wasn't, it wasn't start- great for Vettel. He was the main loser out of that. 
he was the main loser and i wasn't just sitting there oh woe is me i my really my reaction was wow look at uh look at max go um well i guess that was later but so for the start yeah the soft tires um but then there seemed to be something going on with the clutch i don't know there was a kind of a a stall on the on the formation yes lap. i saw that yeah yeah, that looks bad. That was You're looking a... for me to explain the technicalities of that to you, I presume. You don't have to do okay. that. It's okay. When we get to the punch-up later on, then I'll need you to explain to me the technicalities of sporting punch-ups being an ice hockey fan. Yes, I can do that. Well, I just wanted to help Nick out a little bit there. As we found out post-race, it turns out that for all of my excitement about this, that Vettel had no telemetry from his car to the pits. And as a result, he was very, very compromised in the race that he was able to run. So if you're looking for an exit to run through there, Nick, that's <laughs> the one I would choose. They weren't able to run the car properly on the tires. They weren't able to balance their car properly. They weren't able to give him the kind of information that drivers normally get from the pit wall to maximize car performance. And you remember that that bit where he sur- somewhat surprisingly let Raikkonen by. I'm not talking about the beginning when Raikkonen got by when he locked up, but later on, that's absolutely why that happened. He was never going to do, we were never going to get the Hamilton-Vettel battle that if you look at where Raikkonen finished, I think we were absolutely on for had he had telemetry from his car to the pits. I think that's... Uh, we didn't get the, uh, I was going to say, we didn't get the Ericsson Leclerc battle that we were uh, hoping for either. Yes, we're all deeply saddened by that. But when you see the effect that losing the telemetry and that two-way communication has. You only have to go back as far as is it Hamilton in Baku in 2015 when they couldn't give radio instructions when they banned it for a little while. And they were like, well, I'm Wasn't sorry. Wasn't that even more recently than oh, was that? It? Was that it? Was, could be 2016. That was 2017, I think. Uh, no, because last year, wasn't Ro- it? Rosberg was definitely in the car. Oh, was 16. definitely his teammate. Okay. Yeah. Because everyone was saying, oh, how smart is Rosberg that he was able to fix it? But Rosberg just went back one setting. But yeah, Hamilton's answer was, right, fine then. I'm just going to podge buttons. And like, no, no, don't, don't just hit any button. So yeah. So actually willing to give uh, uh, Vettel a little bit of a, a pass on this. And so the main thing that happened in this phase of the race was that uh, Max Verstappen managed to get past the Ferraris, then managed to get past Bottas as well. And then Kimi Raikkonen was able to capitalize on a mistake from Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, another mistake, Nick. Uh, it's okay, we won't dwell on that. Um, but then, Matt, uh, tell us how it shuffled out in the pit stops. Ferrari came out and did a little bluff pit stop, didn't they, on lap 18? And they've been doing that quite a lot. Yeah, they did. Um, maybe it was a do the opposite thing. Maybe they were just trying to psych Mercedes out. I, I don't really have a clear understanding of why they would have done that. They might have picked up from Mercedes radio traffic and 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 automatically sent people out before they decided they wanted to try and go longer. But of course they were going to go longer. They were on the soft tires. And in fact, it was really uh, Botas who kicked off the pit stops because he was struggling mightily on his tires and with his car. And so even uh, they brought them in at what I thought was a fairly early lap, lap 19. And then they brought Hamilton in the next lap. And what was interesting about that was that we heard in the radio conversation that he felt like he had a couple more laps left in those tires. But Mercedes were like, nope, we're going to do it this way. They looked bad, though, didn't it? And, and Hamilton's tires, they looked like they were blistering. Bottas's tires looked like they were blistering. But they came in and went on to mediums. And he went, oh, I was torn then with which way I thought it was going to go. Because I thought, well, if their main problem is overheating the rear tires, maybe having that harder compound would help. 
but it's going to be a slower tyre and there's a long way to go. Uh, but I gather they didn't have a new set of softs anyway. Uh, they, even if they'd had new softs, uh, they were in on lap basically 20 and there's 71 laps. They would have had to go 51 laps on yeah. the softs. They never would have lasted. At that, at that lap, it was a mediums or a stay out and make what you have work for another couple of laps. So they bring him in and immediately you have this great battle um, where you have Verstappen at the front now freed up. He's not trailing Hamilton anymore. He'd already said he was faster and could see Hamilton sliding. You have Verstappen at the front setting lap times and you have Hamilton trying to answer him. And at first it looked bad for Mercedes because they were out into traffic. They were behind Grosjean and a couple of midfielders, but Hamilton got by fairly quickly and then it was just like lap after lap. You could see the lap times going back and forth. And Hamilton stayed in Verstappen's pit window. But as they got closer and closer to the time that Red Bull would call him in, that time began to inch out. And it was just around 20 seconds when Red Bull pulled the trigger on lap 36. And But even with with that, they did have a slow pit stop as well. So Verstappen ends up behind. But in the end, we're anticipating this great battle. But, I mean, Nick, Verstappen just cruised by Hamilton and it looked like that was it game over yeah the Red Bull cruised by the Mercedes on the straight just like we all (laughs) just like we all predicted um and yeah it it definitely looked like game over I mean he's on much younger much softer just better tires and he's been storming through the field all day um yeah game over Max wins back-to-back races I was I was celebrating as well because there was a threat of rain wasn't there yesterday when I was putting my bets on and you know I only only sprinkle the odd penny on my bets I put two pounds on Max Verstappen to win the Grand Prix so I I was I was uh I was into win 30 quid because I thought if there's rain you know he's pretty good around here in the rain he's shown that in the past Mm -hmm. then to see him suddenly have that pace and then get up to the front I was like oh hello that's a bit of a bonus where's that pace come from Matt good question has it come from the Renault power unit? I don't know. Hulkenberg's gave up the ghost. I think Hamilton um, had some engine problems and some engine concerns. I think Mercedes was not perhaps running full. There was an oil problem on at the start of the race uh, for them, for sure. And they felt they were leaking a little bit of oil. And then three quarters of the way through the race, there was some very much concern about Hamilton's power unit making it to the end of the race. They were concerned with a terminal failure. So I think he might have been fighting with part of one hand tied behind his back. But I don't think even had they turned the engine up, that if they'd made use of that, I think the tires would have been done. So I'm not convinced they would have been able to win in any event, even if everything had been perfect. Okay. We're now getting to the point in the race where I think we're going to cover all the other topics in separate topics as we go through. Okay. But just as a where the race was won and lost, I need to mention that ultimately this race was totally won and completely lost on lap number, wait for it, 44. Blessed. We are blessed. There we go. And certainly I'm starting to believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. The superstition is is coming through is strong. But look, um, we've covered the races won and lost. I like doing that. I like everybody to have a picture in their head of the race we've just seen and how it's transposed. That's all very sensible, all very calm. But now it's time for this. Whose fault is it? Yes, it's time to assign blame in our perfectly rational and reasonable whose fault is this section. This comes from the fact that my wife will never just say, there's a fire in the house. We need to go out and save ourselves. We need to establish blame. We need to know whose fault it was before we go forward and fix the problem. So when Matt and I and our panel debate, we never have 
a racing incident. It's never just one of those things. It's never, meh, could be a bit of both. You have to take a side. Someone must be to blame. All right. So don't hate us, guys. Okay. We are talking through the problems. And the reason I like exploring it in this way is it makes you actually think about the sporting element and the racing rules of why drivers do things and what, what this sport is. And also I can see the chat room starting to kick off already. Be nice. Be kind. This is a safe place. Yeah. I was going to echo that. The chat room has been very feisty. Let's just stay away from the name calling, please. And. But- severe mocking of each other's heroes thank you yeah brad <laughs> the bad the ban hammer is in place ready to go uh, even the members of the panel who are in with fake names have figured it out you think you're so clever all right so the incident that everybody's been talking about since the race ended you know two really popular up-and-coming guys who did signs cut off Hulkenberg into the last turn on that first lap. Uh, it's the Renault battle that everybody's been talking about, Matt. Did, what, what was signs up to? Well, I, I think signs up was, was, was up to proving a point that Hulkenberg is not better than he is. It was, seemed kind of obvious to me. There was a lot of aggro in that. And before the later incident happened, I thought this was going to be one of the major talking points because they had kind of followed the lane system. But through that section... I don't think I've ever seen racing like that round into Lagos. It was so wheel to wheel. Neither of them would give up. And then before the last turn, signs just went, do you know what? No. And it wasn't just a case of like leading him into a poor racing line. He really cut across him. I'm, I'm surprised that that, that wasn't investigated and, and there's no action, but that is definitely the actions of somebody who's leaving the team in two races. Well, it is, but uh, I think there's no investigation because, you know, uh, Renault's hardly going to, what are they going to do? What are you going to chuck one of your own drivers under the bus there? <laughs> okay. There's no contact, so there's no other reason for the FIA to get involved. And, um, you know, it will be handled in-house, I would guess, in the post-race debrief. Okay, fine, chat room. Let's talk about Ocon versus Verstappen. All right, so let's just just lay out what was happening here because... There was a foible of the world feed, wasn't there, Matt, where the replays kept showing from turn one onwards. The incident had a lot more context around that. Do you want us to give us a little bit of a an overview of what happened before we argue about whose fault it is? I could see the pain in your face when you said the word little bit. Yes. Okay. So here we go. Lap 41, Ocon comes in uh, for new tires. Uh... Verstappen's been out since lap 36, and he comes out just behind Verstappen, or a little bit behind Verstappen. So now he is down a lap at this point. Verstappen has lapped him while he was in the pits. And they circulate for another two laps, and Ocon is catching him up. And in fact, uh, the first full lap time we had for Ocon relative to Verstappen was lap 43, right before the incident. And he was about three-tenths faster on that lap. And as he comes around through the final turn and onto the straight, he deploys the full might of the Mercedes power unit, having been given orders to unlap himself from Verstappen if possible. And as they come up to the um, up to turn one, he pulls alongside Verstappen, but Verstappen breaks late and they go into the turn. Basically, if you were looking across the track before they get to the radius part of the turn, they were pretty much even. But as things go, as they go through the turn, Verstappen on the inside takes a fairly big lead to the point where 
Falcone's front wing is roughly alongside the rear wheel or just a little Ooh. in front of Verstappen's Ooh, I'm gonna rear wheel. I'm going to dispute that. No, no way. You're miles off. As, as, as they exit yeah. the turn. I think he was a bit further two, ahead. That's about the positioning. And we know this because Verstappen comes all the way over to take the apex, leaving no room whatsoever. And his rear axle is impacted, um, impacts just behind the front wing of Ocon's car. Crashing I, I, yeah. Verstappen's car and uh, Ocon's car at the same time, and and that's the position of them when they made contact on the apex. I, I'm going to quickly somebody send me a link to to that video, Nick. I think Ocon was a little bit farther up alongside than Matt had described. So that's I think Matt, are you putting the blame on Ocon here? Well, I'm saying that Ocon's front wing was just in front of Verstappen's rear tire. To be specific, when they made contact. Whose fault is it, Matt? That's how uh, this works. It's Ocon's fault, 100%. He did not need to be there. Well, there you go then. It, Nick, Nick, yeah. did, no, is, is this no, we've just... settled it. Uh, all right, okay. Yeah. Okay, so no, okay, Nick, no, if, if there's a bit it. of a, a lag going on, just try and uh, make sure that I've asked the question before you answer it. Uh, lag, hot stop. Otherwise, I'm going to spend all night editing. Nick, is this just how badly Ocon wants that Mercedes 2020 drive? Oh, I don't know if we want to go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole again. And we get such <laughs> nasty Twitter comments. No one's ever intentionally crashed into anybody to cause a safety car or any sort of team advantage ever before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I think as weird as it sounds, I think by the letter of the rules, I think it was Max's fault. But that does I don't really think it was Max's fault. So I think, as Matt described, I think Ocon was alongside I think that Max was required to give him a car's width. I think Ocon tried to go up on the curbs to get out of the way, and they touched, and Max didn't leave the space. Now, Ocon was trying to unlap himself, which he apparently is allowed to do. He asked his team engineers if he was allowed to do it. He got permission first, and he went for it. Now, with all that said, why? Why would you try to unlap yourself, and why would you stick in that wheel to wheel battle with the race leader when you're in P14 I mean the best the best thing that could possibly happen is you get ahead he probably laps you again later if we're being honest or but you're you're probably not going to get up into the points and score any points and then the worst case scenario is what happened here and a whole bunch of people are mad at you and think that you're meddling in a race fight when you have no business to be Okay, so I think he should probably should have just backed off there. Okay, so I'm looking at the the positioning as Matt was describing it, and when you get to the the yellow bit, you know where the curb actually starts bending round. Uh, Ocon's front wing, the front of his front wing, is just about in the middle of Max Verstappen's tire, so he's significantly alongside it. And if you roll the tape towards the point of contact, the front wing has slipped very slightly back, maybe to the front of the AirPod you would definitely say that Ocon was alongside Max Verstappen. And as you roll it on to the point of contact, Ocon was just about off the track trying to avoid it. So I think there's there's two things here. Firstly, you have to decide, did he have any business doing that? And secondly, if he did, was it all okay? So the argument I want to put forward to you, Matt, is that he is perfectly entitled to unlap himself. And once once he is unlapping himself that is considered racing. So he's now racing because he's decided he's got the pace to unlap himself and go off and go on a charge. 
therefore they're racing, therefore the racing rules apply. And he's got every right to be alongside. He's ahead in turn one. He's They're side by side into turn two. And if you look at the Bradley Philpot lane system, as Control-Alt-Delete-F1 said to us on Twitter, lane system, Max, lane system. I'm sure he knows about it by now. It's world famous, surely. Uh, it's Max that violates the lane system, Matt. Yeah, except for that tedious fact that essentially Ocon was trying to unlap himself and he wasn't really, quote unquote, raising Verstappen at all. There's no way he would have stayed unlapped for the entire rest of the race. And so the issue becomes, if you talk about the entry into turn one and the exit of turn one, there was no problem with that. The problem is Max had very much won that battle going into turn two. And there was nothing, it had, had Max left room and Ocon stayed there, Ocon still would not have been round him. There was nothing left in that move. And in fact, if you fast forward in the race to Botas and I believe was it Ricciardo later on, Botas was literally in the same place, literally on the same move. And he backed out of it. And he had much more of a right to try and keep his ah, car there. Ah, but you're talking about having a right. You're talking about and having just... a right. So Con Van Villet in the chat room, who I'm going to go out on a wild assumption that is a Max Verstappen fan. It says unlapping is not the same as racing for position. So let's establish what it is we think the car behind is allowed to do. Because if you are, let's say you're faster and it does happen. A lapped car can be faster and come and can come through, and you are allowed to do it. Do, are we saying that when you're unlapping yourself, you have to behave differently, Matt? Or are you saying that Ocon should have, when he was approaching up the straight to Verstappen, have lifted off to make sure that he wasn't in an overtaking position behind Max Verstappen? No, you're perfectly allowed to overtake. But the overtake did not work. He did not have the advantage of position on exit of turn one. And at that point, he had become a lapped car again. Wait a minute. What are you saying? That on turn one, he wasn't ahead? No, he wasn't. Uh, Ocon and Verstappen were at best even as they as they were into the braking zone of turn one. And on the exit, Verstappen had a decided advantage. I will say to you, as they get to the entrance of turn one, yes, they are even, but into the braking zone, Ocon was ahead. So Max Verstappen had managed to outbreak him to get to that position. So he was being unlapped and then, and then he outbraked Ocon to overtake. But I think they are racing. Uh, yeah, they are racing, but they are not really racing. Ocon is not going to beat Verstappen for P1. So the race, uh, the race he was running, was against a different set of people who he was trying to make time on. And he would have been better served at that point by letting Verstappen ahead. And either if he continued to go much slower than his pace, trying to pass him again where he had a better shot, or I think rather cleverly could have probably followed him and taken advantage of some blue flags to gain back whatever marginal tense he might have lost in the next lap or lap and a half till Verstappen caught up with the next bunch of traffic. Nick. Go on. I was you, just wondering, is it, this, this sort of thing doesn't really happen very often, which is why I think Max was maybe caught off guard a little bit by it. But I was just, yeah, so I, I think it's true. I think that if Ocon would have followed Max, he could have benefited by being right behind Max while Max received the benefit of some blue flags. But I'm wondering, would it, all, would it at all be possible 
for a car who's trying to unlap themselves to be awarded a blue flag against somebody who was a lap ahead, <laughs> but was, but was limping okay. along theoretically. Oh, I mean, no, it's, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, maybe, maybe that's a possibility, you know, you can have a blue flag and you get by, but then when you're actually coming around again and fighting for position, actually racing, then, then you have to, you know, make a clean move. Uh, so, um, Matt, we can establish whose fault it was and who was to blame if it was a racing incident and if we establish that they're racing. But from a, a race win point of view, surely Max Verstappen should have just given him a little bit more room or had an engineer in his head who said, look, there's a car coming through here. He's going to be faster for a little while. Just give him a bit of room and let him by. And then we're going to do him once the tires warm up. Surely that's the sensible thing to do. Not aggressively shutting the door on a car whose front wing is level with your front tire. Well, yeah, except for, uh, as, as I will put it to you again, there's no one leading a race that would expect someone who's basically trying to unlap themselves. You would not expect them to try and prolong the battle in, into the turn once you've established the advantage. You've established, he established his car was faster. He didn't expect Ocon to continue the battle. And so he took, he took the full apex because he was off on his race. He thought it was over. Ocon apparently did not think it was over and kept, kept his nose in there. But, uh, to uh, well, the detriment wait, wait, wait a minute. Of you, you, keep, you keep saying that the move was over and it was done. When was it over? When was it done? They were alongside each other the whole time. This is maddening. They were, there was no uh, it, point it's, it's, where you, the move was done. Where, where, tell me between turn one and turn two where you think this move was done. I think it was done on the exit of turn one when Verstappen had more than half a car's advantage. There, I, I don't think there's any yeah. way that Ocon would have come back from that. There, I didn't see half a car's advantage anywhere. Just watching that still, frame by frame. Suggest everybody go back and have a look at that. Uh, but then, all right, good. We could argue about this all day. And we will. Uh, let's, uh, I'll, I'll put this to you, Nick. Let's see if this is a, a fair thing to say. In a sport where you deliberately set the tyres up to have different paces so that you can have different strategies, so that you will deliberately have cars in different phases and different paces at different points during the race, is it not entirely reasonable that at some point you will get slower cars, like midfield cars, or even lapped cars, who are going to be faster than the leading cars and not just maybe the lead car but maybe the the big six this is an actual effect of what we're deliberately doing with tire strategy and therefore you have to make room for that faster car to then not have to just play follow follow the leader and go line astern i think you make a good point i i don't know i, I agree with matt i think somebody probably should have been in max's ear telling him you know someone's coming up on you i think he was caught off guard i i don't know i i still think in this instance Ocon should have just backed off he's on a different strategy sure whatever but he's in p14 i mean if he was in p8 or even p11 okay fine but i mean he, he doesn't really have a, a hope for points today so I, I think the risk of ruining the fight for the race lead Okay, so how long? Okay, well, Nick, Nick, how long? How Nick, how long would he 
we'll have to disagree. That's fine. <laughs> you must be new. Right. <laughs> right. It's my debut. Okay. So he comes up faster. You don't want him to challenge the leader. You don't want him to get in the way. How long do you want him to sit behind, even though he's got more pace? You basically just want to say, want him to say, all right, well, I'll sit here. Even if there's cars catching because he's being slowed down by somebody on the lead lap, you just want him to follow the leader and, and not affect that in any way, shape or form. Effectively, what you're saying is, once you've been lapped, you're out of the race. Your race doesn't matter at all. Matt's nodding his head. Yes. I I, I don't want to go that far. I think if he was so much faster that he could have made a clean move on in turn one, that'd be fine. But not being able to make it, having to go wheel to wheel in turn two or three or however long, getting into a battle, I, I don't think that you should do that. I don't think it's illegal. I think, strictly speaking, it's Max's fault. But I think, ah, I think that's interesting. That's what I said. I already said that. Okay, I was. I set think up he to was all in his rights. I don't think he should have done it. I think he should have made a different decision in the interest of the sport because we were robbed of a Verstappen victory. In in my opinion, Max's fault or otherwise, I guess. Well, Matt, I mean, Kevin in the chat room says, regardless of who we think caused the collision, one thing surely no one can disagree with is that Max didn't avoid the collision. And when you're in the lead of the race, that's a mistake. You have to be careful when you're passing lap cars. You don't want to do the silly thing. But I think, um, was it Mark Greenhall had, had the comment? He's like, Hamilton wouldn't do it. Otas wouldn't do it. Alonso wouldn't do it. Vettel wouldn't do it. Ocon went and did it. And oh, Ocon went. No, no, no. That point was that Max did something that they, those other guys wouldn't have done. What they were saying was the other guys wouldn't have tripped over Ocon. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they would have left a little more room. But I firmly believe that uh, that Max, if he really thought that that Ocon was going to continue to battle him, he wouldn't have made that move. I think he thought it was over and done with. And I think everybody else thought it was over and done with. And we've seen later in the race, Botas making the opposite choice to Ocon and uh, maintaining the integrity of his chassis 100%. Good. I think we've covered it. And I think I did. I win. I think I won. Yes. Good. Happy days. <laughs> there was a bit of a scrap afterwards. That was weird. That's something we've not seen for a long time. Nick. Tell us about this set two that happened because there's breaking news. I've just had a text through from our panel that says Max Verstappen has been awarded two days community service at the direction of the FIA for causing physical contact with another driver, uh, alluding to the incident on the Weybridge, on the Weybridge, on the scales. It's interesting. It is interesting. I've just seen the text as well. Obviously, I'm in that WhatsApp group, and I think that that punishment, if you will, I think it's I think it's spot on. So, uh, as as I want to do, I kind of want to derail the discussion and, and turn it towards hockey. So, uh, as many people probably know, I'm a big hockey fan. So, in my opinion, a little bit of pushing and shoving not a big deal. If two people want to drop the gloves and go at it, then uh, then by all means. But um, you know, if you are in hockey and you're just picking a fight with somebody that doesn't want to fight with you, you're going to get an unsportsmanlike penalty you're going to sit in the box for two minutes the other team's going to have a power play and i think that's kind of just about what's happened here is that max has been awarded two days of community service which is i mean as much of a slap on a wrist as anything can be and i think it's you know you went pushing and shoving somebody that didn't want to be pushed and shoved that wasn't looking for a fight and you kind of came off looking a little bit like a bully and uh and and don't do that I don't think that, you know, he 
you know, intended to injure him. I don't think he actually injured him. I don't think anything really bad really happened. And I, you know, I think I think we're about right with the punishment. Well, here. actually, I'm quite pleased with that punishment. There's people in the chat room laughing about community well, so service. Am I, yeah. um, but I mean, a twenty-five thousand dollar fine, like the Stappen, uh, like Vettel got for the Weybridge, is literally nothing. I mean, even when people say, "Ah, oh, but as a percentage of their wages," no, 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 they have so much expendable income that literally no fine they can impose will mean anything. Two days of having to atone is a real punishment, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it is. And I think it's fair. And the whole thing was a bit WWE for me anyway. Look, if you're going to go after someone, go after them. Knock yes. them down, knock them out, be done with it. If all you, if you're going to go up and pretend like you're going to fight and then you just you push them a little bit, oh, please, come on. That's ridiculous. He, he did actually shove him off the scales. Like that, what it was quite aggressive. It was one shove and then Ocon kind of tried to hold his hands up. Then it was another full shove off of the scales and then when Ocon just tried to go up to him and kind of be like hey what are you doing there was a, th- a third shove it was persistent physical contact and sure that kind of thing happens outside of a pub but you're at work and I just don't feel like anyone should have to put up with being shoved around aggressively at work if that was in your office that would be a trip to HR a reprimand and if you do it again you're sacked yep and and that's pretty much what it was but I I think I, I'm making a bit of light. I, I don't think it's appropriate what he did, but it was hardly the kind we have seen much worse in the past from drivers. Well, this and, is it. And, and some people have sort of brought up um, Senna 1993. Uh, of course, uh, Schumacher went and confronted David Coulthard as well. Uh, but as Kadar said to me, he tweeted me at Spanners Ready. Also, this is not the 80s or 90s when some other unacceptable behavior was tolerated. If you behave like a thug now, you don't deserve to be in F1. Steve Blackout on Twitter said 100% not cool of Max to do that. The FIA should have a say in order to prevent this happening again. And also defending Horner, uh, sorry, Horner defending him uh, was out of order as well. It's, um, yeah, there's a temptation to go, oh, you know, it's only a bit of, bit of a macho what's it's isn't it but really is that is that what we want with everybody around the world watching we want to slap that on the wrist don't we well it does make for good highlights i will say <laughs> ask the wwe or nascar they like to encourage that sort of confrontation to a point but really it's more showmanship i mean max had every right to be frustrated with what happened to his race and he had every right to confront Ocon about it but, I mean, honestly, if you watch the playback, Ocon looked like he was laughing through most of it. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> look like he was taking it very seriously at all, which makes me think it was more of Verstappen putting on a show than, than, a, than a serious incident for the FIA to investigate. It's not like he just pulled alongside and drove right into the side of him or anything like that. So, I mean, it really, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that bad, is it? Yeah, at least he didn't use his car to vent his frustration um it's an interesting insight isn't it though because verstappen had fully lost it he'd had a lot of laps to cool down if you like and clearly it hadn't it hadn't simmered down at all he was furious and and he and you do cross a line when you make it physical how would you have felt nick if after the second shove ocon had just popped him one in the in the chin just chinned him where where would we stand there because i think he's been provoked reasonably to the point where I wouldn't be upset at my boy if after three shoves he just decided to knock his teeth out. Obviously, it would be wrong and we'd have to take him to the teacher and say, don't do that. But your instinct would be, well, yeah, he kept shoving you. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have a problem if O'Connor had thrown a punch there. Um, 
if yeah, if somebody shoves you three times and you want to have a fight, that's fine. And if if then the only thing I would want to see there is I would want to see Max fight him. Don't go pushing somebody and then be like, oh, he punched me. And it's like, well, yeah, he punched you. You shoved him three times, Matt. Yeah, well, question one, I, I mean, not that I want to get you on uh, too personal a detail, but how old again is the boy there, Spanners? Old slugger, old tree face, uh, he's eight. Yeah, okay, how old's Verstappen? Yeah, 20, I don't know. Is he still not 20? Yeah, okay, so rule's going to be a little bit different, but you've given me a great idea. Okay, let's hear it. They should have, they should have MMA combat for irritated drivers <laughs> post-race as extra F1 publicity. In the pink corner, weighing in at skipped leg day, Esteban Ocon. Yeah, exactly. I'm up for it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Let's just talk about some of the other whose fault is this then. Uh Vettel versus the Waybridge. Vettel really, really lost it there, didn't he, Nick? Oh, another, yeah, another bad thing for your driver there, Nick. I'll get accused of attacking Vettel, but yeah, I mean, so what, so what Vettel did was much more dangerous than what Verstappen did. I mean, quite seriously. Cause it, it, so, it, it, it spun out, didn't it? It spun out the weighing scales out the back towards the marshals. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, uh, jumped to conclusions and started saying things about this incident that didn't really know what they were talking about because they weren't really very familiar with the weighing procedure. And I am, of course, talking about myself here. Wait a minute, because Nick, when you start watching the Winter Olympics, isn't it amazing how quickly everybody becomes an expert in like the one where you have figure to ski skating. and then shoot and then figure skating. And like with the Olympics, with like diving, I'm like, oh no, he's he's made too much of an impact there. Oh, his hands were yeah. out. Like, what am I talking about? No one knew about the way bridge procedure until Saturday. Yeah. Well, Sebastian Vettel would have known about the Weybridge procedure. So to explain the Weybridge procedure a little bit, I guess, because I'm sure not everyone's dug into this, is that you you um, you come into the pit lane and there's a traffic light signal and it tells you to go on to the pits or it tells you to come over to, the, to get weighed in, obviously. And then there's a, a traffic cone that's sat in front of the scale. You pull up there, you turn the engine off, they move the cone, they push you onto the scales, and then they push you off the scales, and then you can reboot your engine. 
using your MGUK, apparently. And so what Vettel's done is because he hasn't set a time yet. He wants to get on the soft tires. We already talked about that. He's impatient. He's waving frantically. He's clapping, get out of the way, right? So he he knocks over the cone. He gets on the scales. And then what he does is he drives off of the scales. And now these are just metal plates that are sitting on the ground. And a Formula One car puts down quite a lot of power. And so what it does is it shoots those plates out skidding backwards. And uh, I would not have liked to have had my ankles in shins uh, down down pit lane or up pit lane of that, if you will. So um, very naughty, actually, what he's done there. And he doesn't even have to do any community service. He's got away with it there then, Matt. He um, has. But, yeah. but Matt, people were saying, well, it was unjustified that he had to have his lap delayed and aborted by being pulled in. And then obviously you get all the conspiracies and stuff as well, Matt. Sorry, Nick, go on, you jump in, mate. Well, I was going to say, it's almost like it's a complex issue and there's more than one side to it. It's like, yeah, he was wrong, but he also should not have been in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then um, let's roll with Nick then. Why should he not have been in that situation? So it's it's random and all that, but he hadn't set a time, changing conditions. Um, other drivers are coming out saying this shouldn't happen. What What I would like to see as an idea, just throwing it out there, I would like for there to be... Uh, the opportunity for one of the officials to manually wave somebody through if they hadn't actually set a time yet. So like, I think some human judgment should have been able to come into play there and they should have been like, no, no, just, just, just go on. Now, to be fair, he would have been selected when he was out and people were assuming he was going to set a lap. They decided to abort that to set their qualifying lap on a different tire. So it was unlucky, but they would have been aware at that point, that there's like a one in 20 chance that that car would be scrutinized. Of course, but that I don't think that is an argument against my suggestion. I think that 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 can happen, you know the risk, but then it can also be like, yeah, that's right, go ahead. Why not both? Why not both? A base valley in a very, very crowded and emotional chat room says, is this the longest time on Missed Apex we've ever gone without talking about Lewis Hamilton? Uh, It might be. It might be. Yes, certainly. I mean, what? I mean, that's the next topic, right? uh, Well, it is certainly for, yeah, the Lewis versus Sergei Sorokin story. This is one of the ones as well that got everybody up in arms and people saying, well, why, why is Vettel being investigated? And, And Lewis Hamilton wasn't investigated. Matt, it looked really frightening they were all on their outlaps and then all of a sudden lewis hamilton makes a huge jerking motion over to the left into the path of sergey sorokin sergey sorokin takes to the grass it all looks super dramatic and then you think well why on earth would somebody as experienced as lewis hamilton be driving into the path of another another driver it looked like hamilton had just had a brain fade moment and i think that's pretty much what it is i think one of the hardest things in formula one is using your mirrors and determining the approaching speed of a vehicle from behind. And I think if we're going to point the finger at anyone, I think uh, Hamilton's engineer needed to have warned him ahead of time. So he could have been off the racing line well before Sorotkin came into view. And as it happens, the turn where he sighted him, there was very little distance for him to make that judgment. He tried, he, he moved, in my opinion, uh, to try and get out of Sorotkin's way, but Sorotkin had already spotted him because he was coming from behind and had better uh, field of vision and had already made the decision to go around him. So when Hamilton moved, it was very much a last minute move to Sorotkin, and he just barely missed a huge, huge collision. So uh, say what you will about Sorotkin, 
you certainly can drive the car in those uh, circumstances to a level that one ought to be able to in Formula One. So I'm not sure it's as cut and dry as all that. You're saying the engineers should have told him. But to my mind, if there was somebody on a hot lap coming through, then yes, the engineers can tell him, you've got Sorotkin coming through. There's a huge pace delta. He'll come across you somewhere between turns 9 and 10. Make sure you're off the racing line. As I understand it, they were all dawdling about on their outlaps, and then Sorotkin suddenly decided to 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 overtake Hamilton to get himself a, a better position. And it also looked like, because you come down that hill, round to the left, it looked like he sort of suddenly appeared in his mirrors. And for Hamilton, the instinct might have been, oh, that is someone on a hot lap. Oh, damn it, I'm on the racing line. I need to get off it. And it was that classic kind of sidewalk, see, I'm pandering to you guys, shuffle where one person goes, oh, I'll go to the left, and then they go to the right, and then you end up kind of doing a little dance. What, what is it that you call it? A promenade or something? <laughs> a pavement. What do you- a pavement. Oh, the pavement. Yes. Okay. Well, that's what it's made out of. So, um, yeah, I think that Sorokin was not on a flying lap. Obviously, he was on his outlap, and he did pick up the pace unexpectedly, which is why you know maybe Lewis didn't get get the warning. And we think that the reason that Sorokin was picking up the pace early on his outlap and trying to overtake Lewis before his flying lap was that his tires were too cold because Williams hadn't prepared any tires for Q2 for anybody because they honestly didn't think they'd make it that far. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. And didn't he then at some point get a penalty for driving the Williams unnecessarily slowly, which is in fact the second time this season there has been a penalty for a Williams going too slowly. Which is just an Onion article writing itself. But (laughs) yeah, he drove unnecessarily slowly right after that because he was having a little brown flag moment, I think. Trumpets, um, we've covered quite a lot there with the, the whose fault is this is has taken up quite a lot of our time. Uh, and we're not going to torture Nick over Vettel's form. I don't think we can ascribe anything to Vettel's form today because he had no telemetry back to the pit wall. I think I would like to reestablish that as a fact in his defense. But where's the fun in that? Isn't half the point of the show torturing people who happen to be wrong? Yeah. I figured I said anything. Okay, we'll we'll carry on then. Um, No, but what I want to do next weekend, which is not a race weekend, if I've assumed correctly, is establish why this was such a good race. Because, I mean, there was... There was battles behind Bottas. Even Leclerc was threatening to come into the top six at one point, And uh, we had just great variance in strategy. I was expecting a dull race if it was dry, Matt. But we had a race that was just great to watch. Uh, and why can't we just bottle that? Whatever happens, can we just make that happen again? Yeah, well, what we basically had was the top three teams having cars on or about the same pace and it was fascinating and then we had the midfield which has been competitive all year long continuing to be that way throwing a few oddball moments and there you go fascinating and fun watched race from beginning to end all right i think we've got some good we've got some good fodder for next week there's a lot to catch up on Uh, for now though let's find out about the race in 60 seconds Lights out. Good start, Hamilton. Bottas gets Vettel. Verstappen gets Raikkonen. Raikkonen gets Verstappen. Magnussen goes rally cross. Sainz gets Hulkenberg. Verstappen gets Raikkonen. Vettel on Bottas. Verstappen gets Vettel. Raikkonen gets Vettel. Verstappen gets Bottas. Ericsson spins. Ericsson retires. Raikkonen gets Bottas. Bottas pits. Hamilton pits. Verstappen stays out. Vettel pits. Raikkonen pits. Verstappen pits. Finally. 
Out behind Hamilton, Ricciardo pits. Verstappen gets Hamilton. Ocon pits. Ricciardo on Vettel. Ocon hits Verstappen. Verstappen hits Ocon. Make up your own mind. Hamilton, P1. Verstappen, P2. Vettel pits again. Ricciardo gets Botas. Botas pits again. Ricciardo on Reichen. Reichen defends. Traffic for Hamilton. Checkers. Hamilton wins. WCC for Mercedes. So in the end, a somewhat fortuitous victory for a slightly off-pace Mercedes. Uh, a Lewis Hamilton who's pushing hard, but they had worries about their engine blowing up. I think, in fact, Toto Wolff had, had been caught off-camera saying that they thought Lewis Hamilton's engine was going to blow up. He's benefited from an incident with Max Verstappen. He didn't hit any back markers in his, in his defence, if you want to attribute him uh, any credit for winning this race weekend but it was a race where on pace Mercedes were beaten by Red Bull in the dry on a normalish track so this wasn't Monaco or Singapore or some tight street circuit it's an old circuit but no one called this uh, and it was um it should have been a, a fantastic victory for Max Verstappen so absolutely gutted for the Dutch the Dutch fans uh, let's nominate some awards though thing of the weekend Matt Trumpets who is your thing of the weekend I'm going to disappoint a lot of people and I'm going to go with Ericsson beating Leclerc or Leclerc, take your pick, in qualifying because, oh, wow, boy, do we ever slate Ericsson, but then suddenly he shows up and just simply drives faster. I love it. Okay, so let's address this uh, Leclerc Leclerc thing because Joe got angry at me for saying Leclerc. Uh, he wants it to be Leclerc. Um, Leclerc himself came up and just said, you know, basically just call me Leclerc. He anglicized it for us. If you want to insist over email, as many of you have, that I call him Leclerc and put on a French accent, then surely I should also be saying Ricciardo. Oh, I do do that anyway. Uh, but we do have an issue with people saying things in different languages and, and translating things differently. If he's come out and said, it's cool, call me Leclerc, I think that's probably more sensible than me trying to put on a fake French accent. I mean, you're, you're Canadian, Nick. Do you, do you say all the French names in a French way or do you just say it in, in your way? Oh, I, don't know any French really whatsoever. So I think I'm, uh, I anglicize things mostly, but not as much as the English do. <laughs> you guys, you guys just don't, you just don't even care. You're well, just like, is, no, I'm not, I'm not calling it that. If, if you're going to, if you're the way that it looks like, if you're going to call him Leclerc, then are you also going to say Paris? Are you going to say the Bahrain Grand Prix? No, you're not. So I think it's okay. Right. Who's your thing of the weekend, Nick? I think Max Verstappen. And hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. Um, <laughs> I think he was sensational today and I think he lost his head at the end, but I was impressed in the, in the meantime, between the collision with Ocon before he went off and did that, he did get back on it and he did try to catch Lewis back up with a damaged floor. And that was, that was really impressive. Um, it's good to see that even though the both, championships are decided now that you know some people are still fighting yeah so you're giving it to Verstappen I was actually tempted to give it to Verstappen as well even despite that incident just because he has been doing the job it's it's quite cumulative as well isn't it Nick he is really kind of building and building to the point where we know he's got the raw talent but now he's really kind of stamping this consistent performance week after week yeah and he might be a little bit raw or hot-headed but he's certainly entertaining we're all certainly sitting around talking about him so <laughs> i mean i think he really made the weekend 
Good. And I am going to give my thing of the weekend to Kimi Raikkonen. Just, just for the results. Again, cumulative. And he's pulled out a podium. And it was, uh, we got to the end of the race and you go, sorry, who's third? Oh, it's Kimi again. Oh, nice one, mate. Uh, we've got awards that aren't so good though. No, you missed the apex. Matt Trumpets, who missed the apex for you? Ooh, who missed the apex? I think you got to go with uh, Ferrari and Vettel. Sorry. Sorry, just, did, like, did, did you say Vettel? Yeah. Just well, the whole well I've, got, I've got to correct you then, because Ben James says, for the record, Vettel in German is pronounced Vettel. So if that's you... a trick, Dick. Yeah, ah, yeah. Entschuldigung, bitte. Uh, yes. Uh, so there you go. So, uh, give your award again, but using some a weird faux German accent and saying it in that way. Fettel. There we go. If, if you're going to argue Leclerc, you also have to have Fettel. Um, yeah, it was a disaster, wasn't it? And it's the, the thing that got me the most was he drove into the cone. So he was clearly, he had, he had been sparked off and he was on tilt by the mere fact he'd been called in. He drove into the cone, st- started waving his hands around, and the thing that got me, that annoyed me, was accelerating the car when there was a, a person in front of him, and he kept having to kind of jump and get out of the way. Yeah, I mean, as an adult, we've all been in this situation, but I keep on thinking back to that thing. Do you remember when we had Alex Brundle on the show? I do, and uh, and, and he did he, he did say he might come back over the winter as well, which is good. That would That would be lovely. Do you remember when he talked about having a calm mind? Like why people go on to F1 versus other things and qualifying. Mm-hmm. And like that right there, his agitation, his inability, even though you feel that way, to calmly execute what's put before you, that is the thing more than anything else that he's been missing this year. Uh, and we'll go to Nick. As a, as a Vettel fan, surely though, that passion is part of why you like him and support him as a driver. Yeah, it is. You were right. No, I appreciate the authenticity. I can tell that he just wants he just wants to win. I mean, this is a guy that just grew up watching F1 as a kid, idolizes Michael Schumacher, and just wants to follow in his footsteps, much the same way that uh, we, for some reason, can't stop talking about the fact that Lewis Hamilton has Senna stuff on his helmet. Did he have Senna stuff on his helmet this weekend? You had it. In you Brazil. Had it at the Brazilian yeah. Grand Prix. Oh, yeah, amazing. We, you can tell when Nick is slightly agitated because you get the, the little fist bump as he's making the point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my, uh, it's my Van Jean move. I tell you what, um, the chat room is asking also that we say Valtteri Bottas in a Finnish accent. And I think the prize for that goes to Jolian Palmer, who always makes a good fist of that for the BBC. Uh, Valtteri Bottas. And I think, uh, I think you'll find that that is perfect. Who missed the apex for you, Nick Alexander? Well, if the allegations I've made against Williams in qualifying are true, then I would think they certainly missed the apex. Um, I think uh, Sergei Sorokin, whether they screwed up the tires or not, obviously he kind of did an unexpected behavior that ended up being kind of that sidewalk movement, kind of ended up being dangerous. It's kind of like with Esteban Ocon. It's like you can be in the right, but if you're doing things that nobody expects, then you may cause a collision and it's the same thing with driving on public roads in your in your regular car it's like behave in an in in a way that people expect to uh, avoid collisions you've suddenly gone really quiet for some reason but i'm sure we can fix that we have the technology uh let's see in in the chat there is it baha says the mark of a champion is not losing under pressure and we've seen 
Vettel and Max Verstappen doing that. Yeah, but Vettel, he's a, he's a, he's a veteran, isn't he? He's a veteran F1, of F1. So you wouldn't expect it as much. Whereas Max Verstappen, still a very young man. He's got a long, long way to go. Uh, Matt, what were we talking about? Were we talking still missed apex awards? Are we still doing the bad, the negative thing? We were talking that. I'm really surprised though, Spanners, that you didn't bother to give your thing of the weekend to Mercedes winning the World Constructors Championship. Well, neither did you. But yes, they wrapped it up uh, and they only had to win, uh, be within 13 points of Ferrari to wrap it up. But you could see what uh, what it meant to them, couldn't you? It was such a great celebration after, you know, in Park Ferme. They knocked the barriers over a couple of times, uh, but they're so polite. Like They knocked the barriers over, but they didn't rush towards. If you saw the wall of Mercedes personnel was still exactly where the barrier was, which was quite, they must have all been British because they were all like, nope, that's the line of the barrier. I can't go <laughs> beyond that. The fact that the barrier has gone is of, of no consequence. And actually hats off to the FIA official who was monitoring that. And you could see he was kind of wanted to get in and stop it. He let the celebrations go for an appropriate amount of time. And then he politely came in and said, I think that's enough now, guys, and, and pulled Lewis Hamilton off. So a uh, great celebrations all around. Uh, you can see what it, means to them to wrap up that title we don't tend to think of it as a big deal uh, but obviously for the teams it's much more significant uh, it's huge and the amount of pressure they've been under to finish it has been tremendous because they certainly have not had the best car all year which is an argument you previously could have made for large chunks of the previous seasons uh, good i don't I, I don't feel negative about anyone today so i don't i don't feel like i've got a missed apex award do, do you want to give me one do you well, I, I, I wasn't going to give you one. I thought we were about to move on to the pony award. We and I can do one. that. I've got a pony. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Do I let you go first and inevitably steal mine? Go on then. Well, I mean, I, I think if we do this right, there's enough for both of us. Unless we're thinking of different things. Well, I'm thinking of Alonso saying, no more radio. I don't want to talk to you anymore. He's Italian now. Uh, go ahead. That was entirely not what I was going to say. Yeah. So like that is like fully like a ooh moment. So yeah, definitely a pony for Fernando Alonso. I hope he enjoys the last race in a couple of weeks time. Uh, Nick, you have a pony. Go and see if you can nick Matt's. Well, I don't know how I'm going to possibly try to correct or try to pronounce something Romanian correctly. So maybe I should just skip him. But do it. Otmar Zaffenauer. In a Romanian accent, please. We don't want emails. But anyway, I've go. never heard I guess Otmar that's I've never even heard a Romanian accent. That's not true. I work with Romanian people. Uh, Otmar Safnauer just doubling and tripling down uh, that, you know, Ocon was with his rights, you know, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, yeah, maybe. But, you know, can you also not see that you kind of ruined the race too? Maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> just, maybe just call it even. <laughs> That's quite a good perspective on it as well, because I was fully just, I didn't think Ocon did anything wrong. And I, and I thought that, that Max should have protected his own race more. Uh, but yes, I, uh, Otmar did come out and, and really defend his guy. But then again, the FIA came out 10 second penalty. So it does make it look like you're kind of, you know, doing your business into the wind. There was me struggling to try and find a family safe way of saying that, but I, I didn't have one. Who's your pony, Matt? Oh, it has to be the lads at Toro Rosso bickering endlessly about <laughs> who should be allowed by whom at the end of the race. And I'm not really sure if you had to pick one, if it would be Gasly <laughs> or Hartley. But at the end of the day, Hartley was in front of Gasly. So I think we have to go with Gasly on this one. So, yeah, but Hartley was thinking that he, he was told to save fuel. 
Did I did I catch that right? Oh, I, I don't even know. No. I, I I don't even have the particulars. All I know is that Hartley expected on strategy to be let by and Gasly had some problem with it. And then there was like two laps worth of people screaming at each other at Toro Rosso <laughs> till finally in turn four, Gasly actually let him by, which was what was expected back when it all started. I mean, it was really a throwback to the great Perez Ocon radio battles of the day, if you know what I mean. Uh, Jelmir Oldenhoff. Uh, I don't know where that's from, so I can't pronounce it with the accent. Ocon only ruined a good race, but sure, he didn't do anything wrong. Oh, I think that's sarcastic. Philip Allen is giving his <laughs> pony to... Yeah, let's let's do it in a sarcastic tone. Oh, Ocon only ruined a good race, but sure, he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, that's better, isn't it? <laughs> it's context, guys. Can you just like, put bracket sarcastic? Uh, Philip Allen, I think this is a pony. Vettel saying, something is loose between my legs. Yep, that's probably comment of the season, to be fair. Uh, Matt. There's been so much chat room activity today. Tell me that you have been keeping track enough to award a comment of the week. And while you think about that, I'm going to tell you to follow Matt on Twitter at MattPT55 because that's where he does most of his ranting and his F1 stuff. Uh, Follow at SummersF1 as well who does the tech show with Matt and Matt puts his race report on www.summersf1.co.uk Nick You've been doing our Instagram. What's your social media stuff? So, yeah, you can find me behind the scenes at MissedApexF1 on Twitter, on Instagram, which we're Instagram is more new. So please go follow us on there as well. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow my personal Twitter account at NickAlexanderF1. No, it's not worth it. I'm a bit annoyed with you. Probably I'm bit, not. I'm a bit annoyed. Like when Hamilton suddenly started really well at Mexico and went, what, you can just do that? You've been able to do that the whole time. Like you just put some memes up on the Missed Apex Twitter and they got like a billion likes and retweets. I'm like, so you had this ability the entire time and you've just suddenly now decided to start. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Okay. Yeah. M-A-P-F-1. So that's at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter. Follow me at Spanners Ready or at Spanners BBC. You can catch my little radio show by following the links from there. You can friend me on Facebook as Spanners Ready, and we've got a Facebook group, Missed Apex Podcast, as well. So you're getting derailed. You were you were waiting for Matt to choose the comment of the week. You almost forgot comment of the week, even though you remembered comment of the week. I'm amazing. Comment it's impressive. Of the week. I was totally just going to do the outro and get out of here. Matt, comment of the week. I, I literally just t- typed that into the chat room. I was like, watch, Spanners <laughs> has forgotten, and then Nick reminded you. Uh, in a way, in a way, Nick, you you are the Ocon of this episode, where you just ruined a, a good potential moment. Come on, then, Matt. But I didn't technically do anything wrong, <laughs> Matt. Before I forget, this is getting very silly. Let's let's. All let's right, do so this. here you go, from top to bottom. At the beginning, Stuart Arcari says maybe the racing gods were just paying the Verstappen's back for taking out Montoya in Brazil. Oh my god! Yes, go on, carry on. Uh, Neuropean is in uh, with his suggestions for thing of the week. Uh, Red Bull's pace with a Twingo engine. Yeah. And I hear that they are super, like, insanely optimistic about the Honda engine for next season. Uh, we're going to definitely address that next week as more information comes through. And certainly it'll be a winter and preseason topic. But yeah, I'm starting to get on the Red Bull Honda hype train. Yep. Um, Chris Fonseca says Max did leave a car's width if you also include the length of the entire lap behind him. Ocon was off the track, by the way, at the point of contact, just about. Yes, I know. But still, that was a pretty funny comment. And then uh, following up, he says, would love to see community service as a penalty. The driver must spend the next race as a marshal picking up the carbon fiber that falls off the Sauber. 
Well, that would be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, and uh, I was a little unfair to Marcus Ericsson when he spun out earlier, not quite realising the extent of bodywork that he had lost. And also he had problems with his rear diffuser before the start of the race. So who's our winner, Matt? Ooh, uh, well, we're almost there. Um, but I think uh, I've got one more. Uh, again, Chris Fonseca, in with Stroll's name pronounced correctly, actually sounds like a long, unending moan of despair. Very nice. Uh, but I think we're going to go with Mike Schiller, whose suggestion for punishment was Max has to spend two days painting the new way bridge pink. Comment of the week. And Sebastian Vettel has to hold it in place while he does that. Thank you so much for joining us for this Brazilian Grand Prix race review. Yes, we've got a dead rubber for Abu Dhabi in a couple of weeks time, but I guarantee you we'll have a laugh. We'll have a lot of debates and it will be worth tuning into. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining us. I was going to say there's one thing worth watching at Abu Dhabi, and that's to see who comes in third in the driver's title. Oh, we are all Which waited. Which thing will it be? Yeah. Well, hey, I want to know. Well, I, yeah, I, I definitely care about that. So tune in, everybody, especially all our Finnish listeners. Uh, I've been Spanners Ready. That was Matt Trumpets over there on the other side of the shed. Uh, we want you to join us for the new show next weekend and see if Joe pops into the shed as well presumably an end of season review as well until then remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever this was missed apex in a shed with nick and matt and spanners i should have said me first what's wrong with my ego these days not bigging myself up enough matt we need to be like all the meme people now that we've unlocked nick's power we just basically need to become like the buzzfeed of f1 that's what we need to do i would be delighted if we could pull that off yeah and just base it on just junk let's not actually worry about any content let's just have great headlines good memes and then like we won't even plan this show we'll just we'll just sit here we'll all jeans it around the mic let's just mass produce it let's not put any effort into it i don't all this effort show notes show notes are for idiots writing what you're going to say at the beginning of the show oh ah, speaking what a Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.